0: Welcome to the Theory of Pro Wrestling, where we explore modern pro wrestling through the lens of storytelling and narrative devices. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD, if you want to follow me on Twitter. And I'm joined by the the host of uh, Strictly Business with Eric Bischoff, as well as uh, the extreme life of Matt Hardy, dealing with folks in the wrestling industry, always talking, always talking storytelling and match construction and... Uh, you posted a Limitless match that I watched that we kind of broke down the ending of on uh, on uh, wrestling, according to Alba. So join us in the discord, the lowest level tier of the Patreon. I'm Get a man of the discord. people, Jordan. I'm a man of the people. You're a man of the people. But uh, a lot a lot of nerdy uh, discussion. Nerdy people. Nerdy people. A lot of nerdy people. <laughs> a lot of over analytical people.
1: Of, of different. Uh, hey, to be fair, of different. Very right. different backgrounds and, right. and, and ideologies, and that does make it great. You're absolutely right. Now, man, I'm excited. I loved our first episode. Uh, this is going to be great stuff here as we get into another element of storytelling. I'll tell you what, you mentioned The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. We had Adam Cole on as a guest this week, and I think Adam Cole's is just one of the coolest people in all the industry right now. And I got into this really great conversation with Adam Cole about storytelling, and we talked specifically, kind of similar to some of our conversation last week, where we, we hit a little bit on like the, the types of storytellers that the young bucks are. And I, I asked him specifically about young bucks storytelling. It's a really cool conversation. Go check it out in this week's extreme life, with Matt Hardy.
0: Well, I wanted to mention uh one of his recent matches Yes, against MJF. They had a, a, a 30 minute draw mm-hmm. ended up being a draw. I thought it was an excellent match. I mean, I think um, I think a lot of MJF matches are excellent matches.
1: You're hard pressed to find a bad MJF match.
0: Right. And I want to mention two things. One which will lead into our conversation, uh I appreciated very much the 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 subversion of the like the Eddie Guerrero cheating spot. I don't know if I've ever seen that uh, especially during my period of like not following wrestling during like 2008 to 2018 mm-hmm. on if it's ever been subverted like that where essentially MJF throws You know, he's gotten fed up. He can't, he doesn't think he could win. You know, the referee is down and he throws Adam Cole the belt and then falls down and acts like Adam Cole hit him with the belt, assuming that the referee's going to get up and see that. And of course, Bryce Remsburg doesn't get up in time and then it backfires on him. Uh, Typically, you see that spot where if it does get backfired, the referee comes and there's an argument and then the match continues or... It's the end of the match, but it's something that we've seen before that it's like, oh, this is it was placed for, far enough into the match where it's like this could be the ending. And then it wasn't the ending and it backfired and it went to a nice near fall because when Adam Cole hit him and the ref comes out, it's like, oh, maybe Adam Cole wins this way. And it wasn't. So I I, I appreciate that. I don't know. You, in, in recent memory, have you seen that tropes averted in that way before
1: not like that and that's why it stood out to me immediately when they did it typically if it does end up backfiring on the heel who tries it the referee picks up on what's happening and then they either throw out the match or that immediately leads to the baby face hitting some sort of a babyface cutoff move on the heel and this was totally different and this i want to Mention Jordan because I feel like a lot of AEW referees get a lot of flack from fans. This is where the referee plays a very important role in the match. I'm not one of those guys who thinks that referees shouldn't have anything to do with the match and they should just be there to count the pins, they should be there to register a submission. I think referees are critical in helping tell the story of a match. And I actually thought that Bryce Remsberg, in his selling in that moment, really accentuated the stakes of what mjf was trying to pull off and i thought that he should deserve a lot of credit for that i know bryce remsberg is somebody that gets a lot of shit from a lot of wrestling fans out there that dude is a jack of all trades who's been in the industry for decades he handles so much more than just refing for that company and i thought in that moment uh, with his selling it accentuated what was happening in the ring. He could have just laid there dead, but I thought the fact that he was covering up so effectively and emphatically, I thought it raised the, uh, what, what would be the right word? It raised the merit of everything that we were seeing in that moment as a storytelling device. So I really appreciated that.
0: I also like the fact that if you pay attention close enough, Bryce is the one that always catches MJF cheating. So, so it makes almost sense that MJF is going to try to cheat in a different way than we've seen before, and it's still Bryce Remsburg that catches the di- the dynamite diamond ring or anything. He he's always placed in these matches where we're expecting the heel to cheat, and he he catches it.
1: It's almost the opposite of burying the referees. Mm-hmm. He-, he was he was the referee in the Iron Man match, right? Yeah, and, and he played into the finish of that, too. You're absolutely right. He played right. into the
0: finish of the war the, wasn't he in the Wardlow-MJF mm-hmm. match nope. also? Yep, he
1: was in the Wardlow-MJF match as well. And I think that's a great observation by you that I, I think AEW does do a good job in keeping referees consistent with some of the performers because they can tell a long-term story with that you know Aubrey Edwards is always going to be with Chris Jericho and there's history between them and I think that adds into the storytelling of their matches we saw it even in the stadium stampede where she throws the flag on him and he starts arguing with her about it I think when you establish that connectivity between matches and feuds by utilizing a referee as that thread that holds it all together i think that can be an effective form of storytelling because it's a subtle thing that fans then have to pay attention to
0: well you could always say with the young bucks matches it's always rick knox it's like yeah well oh, the, hap- the, w- the one that is obviously the hapless referee
1: that's <laughs> right, right. Whenever there's a multi-man match it's <laughs> Everything's head- up, yeah uh yeah right i think it's rick knox's gimmick that uh <laughs> he's he's a bad referee like that's that's his gimmick and it's fine it works for what they do but you're right you're absolutely right and I think that that does give fans something that they have to pay a little extra attention to.
0: One of the other talking points of the MJF Cole match was the time limit draw nature of it uh, in the fact that some people may have found it contrived in two ways. One, the fact that the time limit happened like on the three count, essentially, where it's like, oh, how convenient that Adam Cole hits his finishing move One, two, bell rings, and then everyone goes, what? What's going on? Oh, and then also the nature of, like, yes, the time limit was announced. It's announced for AEW matches every match, but it kind of is a throwaway. It's Justin Roberts or Dasha going, you know, this match has a 30-minute time limit, and here's the people, and it rarely comes into play. And it came into play there in a match where it's an eliminator match, which means that the title won't change hands, even if Cole does win. But that's typically a stipulation that's added. So it gives more intrigue of who could win this match. Do you believe that the lack of account, meaning on the screen of like, well, there's 10 minutes left, there's five minutes left, make this more contrived or do you think that it was more effective the way they did it?
1: So remind me because I was multitasking as dynamite was on. um, Did Justin Roberts say like one minute remaining 30 seconds remaining in the match? He didn't. Right. I think at one point I missed it, but someone else picked it up.
0: That there no, was a 10 minute
1: count, 10 minute, but not, not a like one minute or anything like that, not a five
0: minute, not a one. And that Sorry. was, that was done by the announcer, not by common.
1: Right. But not by, it wasn't put out to the arena. So the, so the wrestlers could hear it in theory in 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 canon. The ref the wrestlers did not hear that there was only a minute remaining on the clock, right? Right. As far as we know, yes. As far as where because I didn't right. hear that, so I want to make sure I didn't miss that. No. Um, I think that's where for me I, I have no problem with it because I do think it added shock to the finish. And I think what happens is a lot of times when you announce the time limits or they see it on the clock, whatever it may be. Then you get into the trope of, oh, we got to rush. We got to rush. We got to rush. Here's a near fall. Here's a near fall. Here's a near fall. And I kind of like that. We didn't get that. Like I was at Fighter Fest 2019 when it was Darby and Cody and they were announcing how much time was left with under two minutes to go. And this was the first draw that AW did. And Cody was just trying to hit everything and everything and everything. And Darby would get out. Darby would get out. Darby would get out. So I kind of like that you didn't expect it to come but I will say there's an inconsistency then why is it in some matches that Justin Roberts gives a time update versus in others he's not
0: and isn't, I, isn't that the argument of why they wouldn't do it is because they don't normally do it mm-hmm. so by pointing it out now it puts in your head more of the notion of oh this could be a draw as yeah. opposed to if they always did like I would think. Like I I I use a term. I mean, there is a term in fiction called verisimilitude, which I know, big word. It's a Latin word. It's the believability of a work of fiction. So it promotes the willing suspension of disbelief. And there's two versions of it. There's a cultural version and a and a generic version. The cultural version. I think I think this is almost what like the philosophical difference between like old school wrestling people and newer modern wrestling people like divide on is that the cultural version is plausibility within the context of the real world. So outside, if if this was an, a, a Greco Roman amateur wrestling match, what would they do? If this was an MMA fight, what would they do? And then the generic verisimilitude is the plausibility of evictional worth within the bounds of its own genre. So like based on, what AEW has presented as a product or dude, even WWE WWE doesn't do any time limits. So it's not even announced as not anything unless it's billed as an Iron man match of some type, like since they don't put the clock up at all since the beginning, like within the bounds of its own genre, the clock should never be up ever. Even though, though they don't go to time limit draws that often, my wife even pointed out that, That when the match was over, that she thought it was effective Mm -hmm. because to her, she knows that a time limit does get announced. And we've had time limits before the Hangman Danielson matches, the Omega Danielson match. We've had stuff like that before that her reaction on that bell was what? Oh, kind of like, oh, they they got me. And then and it Mm -hmm. still made logical sense. So, I think I'm on the side of don't 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 put something there that oh, normally telegram. isn't. Mm-hmm. You don't. If you want that reaction, now you could you could argue that that's not the best. You'd rather have the reaction of there's five minutes left and build up all this tension. Will he get it done in time? But based on what I'm hearing before, that like you almost prefer it not to be that way.
1: I just wanted to be consistent. That's that's really all I care about. Like the Cody-Darby match, for example, there was no title on the line or anything like that. It was just a standard singles match between Cody and Darby Allen. And you had Justin Roberts every w- w- from two minutes left in the match every 30 seconds telling you how much time was left in the match versus here, you didn't get an update. Now, given that was several years ago, but I just think that it was almost like for the finish of what they did with Cody and Darby, they were emphasizing that so they'd be able to present the finish as Cody's in a race against the clock. Whereas here, that was not the story they were telling. They wanted you to forget about the time limit because that's how MJF was quite literally saved by the bell. Right? Yeah. So I, for me, again, it is just a matter of consistency in that storytelling. And we've seen other matches where they've relied two minutes remaining, one minute remaining Th- that has happened even in non iron man matches Typically, if I'm not mistaken, they've been title matches where that has happened. I- I'm just asking for consistency. It's not something I'm getting caught in the weeds about. It's not something that is necessarily taking me out of it. I thought it was an effective finish. But I will say, Jordan, I heard from several wrestlers in AEW this past week that did not like the finish of this match. Was it because of that reason? They, I got a few reasons for it. But I think... Some of the reasoning was more: what was the point of doing a non-title match between them? That was if you were just going to oh, do. Okay, a de- so so
0: so let me get. The, I, can I? Yeah, I please. can understand that mindset of you're making it an eliminator match to begin with, mm-hmm. which so means why do a non-finish? That, right. Why do a non-right? Okay. that mm-hmm. so it's it's less on what the 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 contrivancy mm-hmm. of the time limit draw. That if you were going to do a time limit draw, why not just make it a title match where. By the end of it, everything ends up the same the way it was before. Exactly,
1: exactly. It's the same mentality as like Roman Reigns is running around with the championship right now, right? And everything they're doing with the bloodline is super cool and effective, but it could have been equally as effective without that championship. It's a similar mentality where here, you know, this could have been just as effective if it was a title match. Maybe you'd argue even it might have been more effective if it was a title match.
0: My argument to that is, would you have believed as an audience member mm-hmm. that watches wrestling, if they made it a title match, does that make, do, to me, that makes it all like, okay, MJF wins, but how? Not Cole could win, but you make it an eliminator match. And I'm, I'm thinking I, there's more of a tree well, in my so mind of the outcomes. Yes, And that's the purpose why they did. Now the finish was the finish regardless. They gave you a pseudo non-finish, right? Cause no one won. But it wasn't a DQ. It wasn't a count out. It wasn't anything like that. So. Would there have been any what would have been the gain, for instance, I know that we'll talk about this on, on future episodes, but what would have been the gain had the finish been an outcome of. MJF winning by some method or Adam Cole winning with some method As an eliminator match, I mean, me personally, me personally, I'm not a big fan of the of the non-title match. I was literally, I mean, like to me, I'd rather just be a title match. I'm I'm very on the record about
1: this. I hate non-title matches in general. They're actually probably some of my least favorite things in all of pro wrestling. It's something that WWE over the last ten years has just overused and beaten into the ground as a way to heat somebody up into a feud. Oh, well, he beat the champion, so naturally he's going to get a championship match out of this. And there were some people in AEW who felt, well, it was a non-title match, so Adam Cole should have won because I think they're so used to that trope. But I really for me, Jordan, it's don't do the match as is if you aren't willing to beat somebody. That's just kind of my mentality when it comes to booking a wrestling story is that if you don't want to beat somebody don't book the match I had someone on Twitter arguing with me because I said I just I'm really bummed and I know you're with me on this that we're not getting Orange Cassidy versus Zack Sabre Jr as a singles match and someone was like well you got to protect both of them I'm like screw that like they're two of the most protected guys in wrestling right now. Also, they've both lost matches before. It's not like they haven't. If they're two of the best in the world, something's got to give. It's okay. If Orange Cassidy loses to Zack Sabre Jr., no one's going to look at him and be like, oh, that guy, he sucks. He lost to Zack Sabre Jr. And vice versa.
0: Right, we had that conversation, or at least I had that mm. conversation in uh, in your Discord on, mm. on that. It's like, oh, they showed the format. And yeah. I went through. It's like, this is exactly why they did X, Y, and Z. And now it's kind of like makes the match For me personally, that kind of looks at the format a little bit less appealing because I can almost guarantee what's going to happen.
1: But it cycles back to my point of sometimes you just don't have to do something for the sake of doing it. Like this Eliminator match, it was a great match. I really liked it. I, I enjoyed the match thoroughly and the finish was cool for me. If this match hadn't happened, there were still many other ways for you to get To your ultimate because i think we both can agree this is going to lead to a proper mjf versus adam cole championship match at some point i don't know when but at some point i feel like there could be other ways to get there without having to resort to a non-title match as a storytelling device
0: do you think there's another construct that you could use because i i think i i like the ring of honor did it what the kind of i don't know what they call it kind of like it's a it's it's a it's a non-title match but it's more of a like can you last 10 minutes in the ring with me and if you can then i will give you a ti- like where you're not giving a match that could necessarily needs a finish but it's in the construct of the of the yeah. rules of the universe where sure. like here's this little thing and if you could if you could do that and it's still against the person like, if you could last, I mean, Serena Deep did the five-minute challenges, mm-hmm. yep. right, and that, and, like, if you could last five minutes, then something, like, where it's not a full match, but it's still something.
1: Yeah, you see some sort of physicality. Listen, I'll give them credit on this. One device they've gone to the well with way too many times with MJF was, well, I'm going to throw five challengers at you, and if you get through them, then you get through me. So I'm happy that that's not what we're seeing with this particular feud. I don't want to sit here in fantasy book because I don't think that's necessarily the purpose of what our conversations are about, but I just don't love the idea of non-title matches as a way to get to a title match. I think there are other ways, Jordan, where maybe you're having matches that are tag matches or some form of alterations where you're seeing them interact, but it's not your one-on-one that people are going to pay money to see on a pay-per-view that allow you to provide a why as to why we're seeing a championship match and how we're going to see a championship match. I just, I don't know, man. I'm not a big fan of non-title matches as storytelling devices. They just feel like lose-lose for me. It it feels like if you could beat the champ, you should be the champ. You should be the champion. And on the converse of that, in just about every combat sports and sport in the world, the person who's the champion, whenever they fight, the title is on the line. And there are outliers, you know. Every now and then, you get an exhibition or something like that. But generally speaking, the title is always on the line. I understand pro wrestling is not the same as MMA. It's not the same as boxing. But the presentation of such is, if someone is a fighting champion, well, then that title is going to be on the line. Um, so that's just my perspective right
0: but but that's the that's the rules of the universe and that's what i wanted to talk about today of like what the purpose of these constructs are right because they're 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 used for storytelling purposes because it's a it's just it's scripted i mean like we know why there are rules in mma or rules in baseball or rules in any other sport because it's an actual competition so they have to you know, play fair. It has to be a fair d- display of skill. This is essentially, you know, sport theater. No, yeah. From a broad sense, we'll get into some of these. You know, a lot of people like debating some of these, these rules over time have changed. What's the broad purpose of rules in general if you can write anything you want?
1: I, I mean, I think you're absolutely right in that it makes you question why you're sticking to certain parameters when you can expand beyond those pre-existing notions that have been set forth because I think you got pro wrestling rules and regulations back in the 50s and 60s when the art was starting to become more popular and over time I think we've seen some companies willing to adapt things to their own storytelling methods, uh, WWE, especially we've seen that, uh, but you're right. It's like any sort of scripted programming where you set the rules within the realm of the universe. And those are then put forth to the audience where after consistent showings, the audience then has an understanding of, okay, this is how things happen here. It's kind of like that conversation we had last week where, like with a show like Monk or CSI, you know what the rules are within the realms of that universe. You know how these things end up coming around at the end. So it does beg an interesting question of if you have these parameters, but you're writing them, how much fluidity should you have with them? And is it okay to go back and revise them?
0: Well, I think it's a matter of figuring out what the justification for them are originally, like I, I put them into two different buckets of like the storytelling purpose of it and then kind of like the booking purpose of like, why is it done from a, a more booking business perspective and do those align? And is there a better way to obviously it's the pro wrestling business. So we're not going to uh, although on the show we are like, no, we focus on the creative. I don't care. If only five people watch it. If it's creatively fulfilling, that's what I want to see. But we all know that, like, well, we can't have this happen because this guy needs to headline this show. That, like, I we get There's all that reality
1: right. to that. There's right. definitely. But is there
0: a way of justifying and changing what you need to do based on the the history of the rule versus needing the rule? So, like, the the simplest ones are just like outcomes of matches, like we mentioned with the time limit draw, like a countout. Like, what what is the purpose? Of, you know, the typically it's a 10 count, ring of honor, 20 count, right? Depending on rules, whatever. But mostly we've been accustomed to a count out being 10. We've also been accustomed to the count out being counted by the referee so slowly that you question if time is <laughs> still. Uh, and we've been accustomed to the wrestler coming in and breaking the count, right? It's like, okay, they want to continue fighting on. We know why that happens. Cause they want to, they want to continue telling the story outside of the ring, but it makes no sense with the rule because the referee is up to eight or nine. So one goes back in and comes back out. Is that needed? It almost feels like countouts ne- are rarely ever the outcome of a match. I think from an audience perspective, a count out is looked out as a as a down thing of a like, a, you didn't really give us... Like, we don't think the guy that won really won.
1: It wasn't right. decisive enough. You weren't fulfilled by it.
0: Right. And then we've also seen the spot where the guy's outside, the count's at nine, and they get back in, and it's like 99.9% of the time they get back in. Like, it feels as if... I don't understand why... We need to have spe- specified countouts.
1: I have a theory for this. Okay. So I think this goes back to the 70s and the 80s, where DQs and countouts were used so much. If you went to a WWF live event at the Meadowlands Arena in 1981, and there was a card of nine matches, there's a chance four to five of them were either DQs or countouts. And one of the reasons for that, I've actually had this conversation with some old wrestlers, Arn Anderson included, was that that was looked at as the main way of getting heat back then, because people would then want to go and pay money for the next time they're in town to see that match run back or to see that person get their ass kicked. Whereas we have we I feel like we're judging this primarily through the notion of a basic TV every single week. So I think when it's looked at in that viewpoint, we see so many different ways to get heat. You don't have to wait that long for a heel to get their comeuppance. You're not getting a return match months down the line that, you know, you're going to get a clean finish to. So I do agree in the sense that I think these are contrived and overutilized tropes in storytelling now because they're just frankly not very relevant anymore. But
0: I, mean, I can understand like a count out being useful. Like if we think in terms of like the like the the cultural ver- verisimilitude of like, well, you know, you have a heel that's just going to come out and say, "I'm gone, bye," and you know, they they leave or whatever. I'm I'm with the notion of instead of having the ten count, it's just it's it's referee's discretion. On when they believe that one 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 person has abandoned the match they could at their judgment declare that that they' they have they have been counted out at that point and then we don't have to go through the whole break the count one two three four fit to ten or whatever and you mentioned disqualifications like what's the purpose you mentioned on that that heat element of like oh he screwed someone else and then it like, it just happens. So I, these things happen. We've been exposed to it so much. Does it really? Does it really give any heat? It fe- it feels as if like that protection. We and we'll talk about that on a, a future episode on the concept of protection. Is protection all that necessary? It, it, if someone won, we we had uh, at the Royal Rumble, for instance. Here's here's one. Here's one from from a year or two ago that I went to. That th- this will highlight my point. Uh, Seth Rollins beat Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble. What twenty twenty two? Whatever. 19. Right. He won because Roman Reigns was disqualified after you know beating him with the chair or something. Uh, he wouldn't. He, he he wouldn't, break Seth. He wouldn't break the guillotine. Right. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. Yep. Mm-hmm. Do the if you believe that like okay, this means that. Seth never loses right do, do I feel at this moment that 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 Seth is any better do I feel that Roman is any worse do it, it it we've seen this so often of countouts and disqualifications that the the non-clean finish doesn't protect it doesn't feel like it it almost it almost doesn't feel like it protects anyone it actually makes me actively uh net feel negative towards the promotion like I almost feel like 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 all you're doing is making the promotion getting heat on the promotion yeah. as a heel, yeah. and you're not really doing anything for the babyface or any of the talent in the ring, unless it's done cleverly, but it's done so often that I I just feel that like oh we're just going to give you a disqualification yeah so that someone could get protected when we really the audience doesn't really feel like that at all
1: no and I feel like with DQs in particular. You just get the feeling of, why did I waste my time watching that match? Now, there are ways, I think, to cleverly do DQs every now and then. But I think the Monday Night War era really overutilized DQs so much that they just became an expected outcome at some point. You'd see a match on paper, you're like, Well, that's gonna be a DQ. And when that become and and it would be seen through as such, you would get a DQ. And when that becomes ingrained in your mind when you're watching something, you're inherently just not gonna care as much, which is kind of counterproductive to how you want to tell a story because you want to thread someone along throughout that entire journey, whether it's a small story or a large story. And I, I think that we've seen less of it. In recent years, but it's still something that, especially in the WWE world, is leaned on quite a bit as well, we don't want to beat any of either of these guys. So DQ. And it, it
0: does but I think it, the it audience sees through now. Also, I mean, when I take a look at a match, I take a look at a match graphic for this, this upcoming dynamite, raw, smackdown, name anything, collision, right? And we talked, we, we we reviewed a little bit, we talked about collision in the in the Discord in your in your, in your Patreon. So, uh, if you want to join in on that, go to WrestlingAccordingToAlba.com. We'd love to have you there. We, we would a love bunch of people in there. Uh, troll free, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, like, like no one's a no one's an outright outright troll.
1: No one is consciously trolling. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: but but I'll look at a match card and go, okay, here's a match between two relatively equal people on a TV on a TV episode. So I'm like. Wow, I'm I'm not going to be able to call that. Who's going to win that match? Now, obviously, when I see like, like a protected talent versus an unprotected talent, you know, again, it's a semi, it's a semi squash match. I mean, it's like it's a, it's like yes, I know Butcher and the Blade are not going to win this tag team match. Like which just, I hate,
1: by the way, because I freaking love Butcher and the Blade. But that's right, still, but understand, but
0: you understand what I'm saying. I
1: know that's just me, just being a wrestling fan saying right.
0: I love Those guys, yes. But we, we 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 see the match graphic. My immediate thought is. Oh, that's an interesting match. I'd I'd love to see the outcome of this. And then you go, well, who's friends with this guy and who's friends with that guy and who's going to come in to call co- yeah. like, oh, so it's Swerve Strickland versus X in a match that is even. And I go, well, obviously the uh, the Mogul Embassy is going to come out and cost that guy the match, and that's going to That's going to set up this type of thing. I'm no longer thinking about like like what's the what's the match outcome going to matter and even if Swerve got disqualified I don't think of him as like any better or less I don't think of the person that well he technically won the match it's like I don't care he didn't it so was, the outcome didn't,
1: doesn't mean anything at
0: right yeah right I could go but I'm looking even before the match of like yeah. oh this is a vehicle for something else and I think that's not necessarily a good feeling for the audience to have
1: it's not a good feeling but I'll also give the benefit of the doubt where sometimes you just need to use those as a crutch to get to something else. And I'm not saying that as an excuse, it's just, there are only so many things you can do. And there's only so many times you can give a direct clean finish to something. So from the booker's perspective, I'll give them a a slight benefit of the doubt, but that doesn't mean you have to run it back in the same tropey way. I think that... We also don't have
0: to do it five times in one shot. Well,
1: no. Well, that's obvious, right? You don't... You certainly do not have to do it that way. Like, at, at the end of the day, this is pro wrestling. There are good guys, and there are bad guys, and bad guys are going to cheat. That is just how it goes. Bad guys are going to cheat. I wouldn't hate Jordan if... More and more, we saw a good guy who was in like a pretty vicious feud with a heel just get himself DQ'd and beat the shit out of a heel. I don't think we see DQs utilized in forms like that. Because guess what? Maybe the outcome doesn't matter as much in that point. But you're developing a story and you're furthering a story when you see the babyface, the good guy, snap and go to those lengths to try to prove a point to a heel i'd like to see us get more creative in utilizing these things that are still there that we still utilize as rules within the confines of these worlds as ways to tell stories a little differently well i also like when they flip
0: the the dq dependency on its head of oh you're expecting these people to come out and they do come out and then it leads to a near fall, mm-hmm, but, but not a finish. But not the finish, right? So it's we've seen this trope so often that then it it either backfires, it turns on its head. Maybe the heel wins in a different way. Maybe the heel cheats in a different way. Maybe you protect the other guy in a different way. But I can understand using them as as a subverted trope. But another another one that's related to DQs and countouts is. Where did when did this ever come? I, I'm legitimately asking that that a, a champion can't lose the title getting DQ'd or counted out. Like when, like how come it, it it technically it's the outcome of any other match? But but no, if I'm if I'm the champion and I just come out and just hit you with a chair or a belt or something, like like what?
1: My like, guess. Why, why did that ever start to begin with? I don't know this, but my guess is that it goes back to kind of what I said before during the live event era where you wanted to get return matches so you could lean on a DQ or a countout in order to avoid doing a title change and you could run that match back. That's my guess if if I was having to put two and two together because you look at how often DQs and countouts were utilized then. But I don't know that answer for sure.
0: I mean, but look at the, I think the classic example of why this type of thing could Not be a good storytelling device is uh, what SummerSlam with Lex Luger. No, Yogo Zuna gets counted out, retains the title, and then they they have a celebration. They celebrate. I guarantee you that that the audience is going like, "What are we celebrating? (laughs) like what?"
1: (laughs) It's like that. I mean, that genuinely is one of the most baffling finishes in modern pro wrestling history because you're absolutely right. It, It is a. And you got Vince McMahon be like, oh, it's a beautiful day in America. Lex Luger. And meanwhile, I, I, I mean, the whole story was he's going to win the championship. He doesn't win the championship. And we're celebrating like America just declared its independence from Great Britain. I could not agree with you anymore on that. I don't know where this stems from. I'm glad That it's not something AEW in particular has leaned too into over the past few years. I think there's one spot, John, that is useful storytelling
0: in a match that goes along with this is when we've seen in matches where someone hits a finisher and the guy rolls out of the ring Mm -hmm. or they do a moonsault to the outside and the commentary is like, well, they can't, you can't win yeah, the match. Yeah, yeah. And he's trying to drag him back into the ring. And that leads to some type of near fall because obviously it took long enough for him to get back in the ring. And then like, like I could, I could see that with the count out with like, you can't, you can't win the title that way. So you gotta, you gotta get him back. But I don't like it when it's used as a, as a, the person being stupid. It's more of a, it happened by happenstance. Cause it doesn't look good where, I mean, we'll get into this on, on future shows of, when you, you had the stupid baby face syndrome of like, yeah. how do you, how are you not aware of the rules and you're trying to do all of this? And it's like, dude, you, the purpose of this match for you to win the title. And next thing you know, you're out on the concourse and you have no, no, no reason. The people are coming out deep, like you, that type of stuff. So I could see in that instance, what well, that could be used as a storytelling device. but yeah. I think that's a very small percentage of what it could be used to.
1: I really like the happenstance thing where a guy rolls out of the ring after a finisher or after a big move because it gives credibility to them as a smart performer, as a smart wrestler, that they have awareness of where they are, even if they're hurt. And I think that when you're setting up near falls that come after that or even leading into the finish, because you subconsciously know that that performer, that wrestler has credibility, I think that opens up the box more to what is the finish going to be here. One thing I
0: wanted to point out. Uh, uh, hey, W, this week, RJ City had all the referees. It was on. with the
1: referees, right? I didn't right. see it.
0: Right. It was it, kind of like was the, the influence of, of this episode of like, oh, okay, here. Why do these rules exist? What's the purpose of them from a storytelling reason as well as a performance reason? And I think one that has a very big gap between what I believe, at least you you could confirm this or not the gap between the storytelling purpose and like the performance purpose is that multi-way matches, three-way, four-way matches, no DQ, mm-hmm. never a DQ. And as Mike Posey on uh, W pointed out the fact that half the refs were like, I'm not even sure why, <laughs> I think they were generally like, I'm not even sure why that that's a thing. And Mike Posey pointed out, it's like, well, if you have talent, a B and C and a hits B and gets disqualified, like who wins? Like does C win? Does B win? You got two people there. I'm going to assume you confirm this or not that the reason why uh, multiway matches are automatically no DQ is well, if you didn't do that, you need an elimination match, and then from a if we think back to old school booking, you know, yeah. I, I know you said before it's like like it's people should be able to take losses. Mm-hmm. But in fact, what you'd be providing in that sense is basically two out of the three participants are going to get visually beaten. And maybe you 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 don't want two of them. You just want one of them. So you need to have it so that only one person could win, which means we got to ha- kind of throw DQs out because how does someone get you, you have two people left?
1: I'd also like to point out, Jordan, that and it's probably not something that a lot of people think about multi-man matches not tag matches but triple threats fatal four ways those are still a relatively new thing in pro wrestling you didn't see triple threat matches very often if at all in the 70s and 80s triple threat matches and fatal four ways became a popular thing in the mid 90s when ecw in particular started doing the three-way dances and i think when you Look at it in that context of what was going on in wrestling at the time. You had all the DQs. You had a lot of weaponry in pro wrestling. You had a lot of Gaga and storytelling in WCW and WWF at the time. I think that's why you saw these rules created where you're allowing for all of these excuses for there to be interference and stuff like that. But then I think performers took it on themselves when they saw how can we lay a match like this together, they realized we can have three matches in one triple threat match. We can tell great stories with that. We could have four matches in a fatal four way if we really want to do that. And I think because of that, there was somewhat of a willingness to bend the rules, the traditional rules, because they recognized there was an outlet for them to do that. Now, in, in a real sense, I would say that if someone's in a triple threat match and they use a belt, well then they should be thrown out of the match. If a manager gets thrown out of a match for helping someone cheat even in a triple threat match, you'll see a manager tossed out it happens. Why wouldn't the performer be tossed out as well? And I do think that's something that some promotion out there should consider adopting into their rules. well another
0: re- another reason for it is like like these we have these multi-way tag matches right like that it, it always it always it always perturbs me so much seeing you know i i think at double or nothing last year i went and it was like a, a three way tag team match for the titles mm. but there's only two legal only I two legal that. i hate
1: that so which much which makes
0: no why cuz then then the psychology of like why you would You would want to be tagged in because the only way you could win is if you have a
1: tag team. You know what I hate even more about those, Jordan? Sorry to interrupt you, but you know what I hate even more about those is when someone makes a tag consciously to someone who's not their teammate. What's the, how does that make any sense in a bubble? And unless it was a desperation
0: type of thing, but like it's typically it's like, no, I'm just going to tag you in. It's like, yeah, now your team can't even win the match. Uh, I'm assuming, I'm assuming John, that stuff like that is done. Cause and, we'll we'll see it in multi-way matches all the time of like from a performer's perspective, this is outside of kayfabe having three way, four people in the ring doing moves at once is extremely hard to coordinate and to plan out. So we get these matches where it's, it's a four way match and there's always two people selling outside the ring. There's always one person selling outside the ring because from that's why like, three-way, four-way matches where not a lot of that happens, I always give way more credit to the performers of, like, the way that you coordinated all that stuff with so many people involved and not having to sell some BS move that you probably wouldn't have sold for four minutes in any other match. But as an audience member, like, I understand that. See, the thing is that I think I'm forgiving because I know it's a performance and I know... You know, I've got, I've gone to indie shows and I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm sitting, me and my wife are sitting there for front row at one of the posts. And it's literally a wrestler, just like, yeah, well, into, that's, looking, that's out on them. looking right. That's on them though. That's bad performance. But, but I agree. Can they do it better? But I could forgive that because I know it's a performance, mm-hmm. but that's the main reason why we have kind of these, these, these rules in place. You know, like the the mixed tag matches are male, male, women, women. We don't want to put, you know, we don't want to make things look weird to some of the audience. Like we, it's done more for like
1: visual and performance. It it is, it is. And I, and I agree with what you're saying, but I also do think when these things became very popular, these multi-man matches, as, as I was saying before, the performers realized we can effectively tell multiple stories in this match now because we can break it down and have three separate matches, maybe even four separate matches within this one match. So yes, it is done from a performance standpoint to let guys get out and maybe rest up or or not have to coordinate all the spot, 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 spot. But I do think it is done from a storytelling perspective as well with the audience in mind that it's going to be easier for them to digest these three separate stories, than one super convoluted one.
0: Talking about tag matches. Here, here's, here's here's the the number one I could ha- question I have about tag matches, and I understand why they don't do it, and I wish and I wish they still continue to not do it, because I think the storytelling purpose is much better than strictly adhering to the rules of like tag ropes and legal tags. I know there's there's plenty of people out there that look at some of these indie riffic tag team trios matches where 8 million things are happening. Who's the legal person? Everyone's in the ring. They're doing combo moves. And you're like, at some point, like this is just a mockery of what, what tag rules are. But couldn't you say the same thing on like partners breaking up pins like that's a common like that goes back much 30 40 years of someone hits a move and then the tag partner comes out and knocks off the, the like that's used as a storytelling mechanic like how come i don't hear that many complaints where i see that eight times a minute
1: remember it was in nxt i think it was a mustache mountain tag match i can't remember who it was against it might have been against Lorkin and Birch. I, I can't remember. But the story of the match was that Mustache Mountain had utilized all of their pin breakup attempts. They had maxed out on pin breakup attempts. And for that reason, it led to them losing the match. And on one hand, I'm like, that's a really creative way to tell that story. On the other hand, I'm like, when did we start counting tag team breakups? And it was a rule once upon a time, but we have not referenced that rule ever. I, I have no recollection of that ever being referenced, but the, on this one time, I guess William Regal woke up and was like, we're going to go back to 1982 and we are going to institute this and in how we put this match together. And I, I, I was like, that's creative, but wouldn't that have been much more effective if we had known that in presentation prior? But I mean, if the, if if that was a thing,
0: it would be something that the yes. audience could use. Wow. I mean, it's very similar to the pr- pure rules with the three rope breaks. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, it is now part of this verisimilitude, this cultural version of within the genre. But within the genre, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't get a counter of how many no, you know, pinfall breakups your partner gives. But you would have to admit, though, if tag rules were strictly adhered to. The amount of stories that you could tell, and the amount of action that you could have, like the amount of tension, even like goes down dramatically. But on the other hand, uh, you also the byproduct of that is that you get the less of the. I think the heat spots related to that make much less sense. Mm-hmm. So to to me, I think there's a balance. Like I find it, I would find it very stupid when everyone's in the ring doing everything and then all of a sudden they do the old school, the baby face gets the, the partner gets out and the referee stops them. And then the heels gang up on the other. Yeah, like, wh- dude, why are these, you choosing now? Right. Right. These rules have not been enforced. Yeah. They've, you've shown that they are very, very loosely adhered to, but you're doing that. And I understand the storyteller reason of why you're doing that to get heat, to get heat on the other side. But it feels like it's like two errors. Like, either do one or the other, but not both.
1: I think part of it, too, Jordan, is how audience expectations have changed in terms of what they react to in a match. You go back and you watch a Brainbusters versus Rockers match from the late 80s, and you'll see a crowd go absolutely nuts for a dropkick. They will lose their minds over a dropkick. So then you can lean into those rules of tag wrestling much more where the brain busters are cutting off the ring or they pull down the partner when you're not expecting them to or when you're expecting them to get the hot tag. You can lean into that stuff more because, you know, the audience is guaranteed to react to those things in a, in a bubble much more significantly. But now just the way audiences have changed what they've been conditioned to, how we react to moves differently. I don't think those little spots that rely on adhering to rules resonate as much as they used to.
0: And it's primarily because they're presenting a product that less adheres to those rules normally I mean we get back to like just close fish striking is supposed to be illegal right I mean what's what's the purpose of the spot it's a fun spot right the for the 10 count in the corner right the one two three but I mean technically there's supposed to be no close fish striking. Right. And what's the deal with the referee counting the guy out in the corner? Like one, two, three, four, five, you know. You're done. Right? Yeah, like it feels like like another thing of their mixing, like Mm. thinking in terms of what's the storytelling purpose of this and does it adhere to what the audience's expectations are and do they align? And if they don't align, it almost feels like, well, then don't do them if they don't align or they don't have the impact. That you that you that you think they do I mean I think a prime example of this is the usage of of like tables and chairs like dude it used to be you grabbed a chair and you hit someone that was a that was a DQ I mean we've seen dude there are matches where people bring out ta- they literally bring out tables in a normal not a hardcore match not a you know no DQ not it's just like oh yeah you could hitting someone with the ring steps that's that's accepted I mean that that doesn't well, think, mean,
1: why is it accepted sometimes that if the announcers table is used, it's not a DQ, but if you pull out a table, then it's a DQ.
0: But I mean, most of the time it's not a DQ at all. we condi- like you mentioned before of in the 90s that everyone gets exposed to wrestling. They kind of throw out some of these, you know, some of these rules or don't adhere to them strictly, just so they could tell different stories. You could say that they're worse stories or better stories, but they're still stories, and because we're conditioned so much to them. That we don't feel as if like Dave, like the sta- We almost feel as if the standard weapons, right? The standard foreign objects that we normally see are fine, but the ones that we don't normally see aren't. the 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 ring that we had the whole thing with the 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 timekeeper's hammer for an for like three months with the Lucha Brothers and uh, the Death Triangle and, and
1: the screwdrivers and right yeah. and, and the oh, like yeah.
0: because those are things we don't see. That often, but we've seen tables, ladders, and chairs so much that we're just like, that's just part of pro wrestling now. Part of the just- ring at this point. Right. <laughs> right. So, do, do, do you think that that makes it better storytelling that we have those devices? Or do you believe in the more that there's more storytelling purpose in keeping those foreign objects to be only used for like, extreme matches or do you use more DQ or it's now cheating. If you bring those in.
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I think from a traditionalist standpoint, you'd say, obviously you want to save a foreign object for when you really need to utilize it to further a story. But I, I do recognize, and I've, I'm guilty of saying this often that, anything can be wrestling as long as it gets a strong reaction in some way or form and i think that we are so conditioned with those tables those ladders those chairs that it's just part of wrestling now it is just part of it and i think as the times evolve and the business evolves if there's more leniency granted on those things that's just how it's going to be and it will become ingrained in the match to match storytelling and yeah i think we do get more of an emphasis on those other objects because we don't see them as much but at the end of the day a foreign object is like the ultimate heat seeking tool you saw that match that i i did and for those who haven't uh if you just look up limitless wrestling the match that i had it was a four on four tag match um in my entrance i brought out these little hand weights and i did vignettes with them where i was using them and using them because we were going to telegraph that we these were going to play a part in the story right and that's not a weapon you typically see in a match and uh we ended up utilizing the hand weights as a knockout object to lead to what was a pretty believable near fall in my opinion um and it was accentuated because you didn't see that very often. Had we used a chair, maybe it would have come across more contrived. Who's to say?
0: But I, I like I like that match for the for the most Thank part. You. I mean, you 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 ended up doing a couple of moves, you got
1: some heat, uh, right? I I had so many more ideas. I was, dude, I did 40 elbow drops the day before because that was going to be a huge high spot where my guy was so freaking confident in his ability to be a professional wrestler that he was going to drop an elbow. And I was going to be hilarious, but uh, we ended up doing that plunge spot in it too, which I thought was pretty funny uh, in its own right. But it yeah, was but- quite realistic because you played the character, not knowing how to, look like a
0: professional wrestler very well. Like you really didn't have to do much.
1: No, I didn't. The best part of that plunge is my legs are flailing on the way down. And that was conscious. I did that purposely. That was not me being nervous. I was like, I need to look like I am so freaking out of place in this moment in time. So I did everything I could to be as out of place and as not in the realm of professional wrestling as I possibly could. But, uh, you know, and I think that's an element of storytelling too, where, you know, when you talk about all these rules and stuff, a performer has to know their role. They have to know what would my character do in a situation like this? Would my character utilize a foreign object? Is it earned action that my character would utilize a foreign object? Or am I just doing that? Because I think that's how he earned in pro wrestling. It has to be an earned action in my opinion, for someone to bring in the foreign object for someone to want to utilize a Dq it it doesn't connect when it comes out of nowhere. just my take. I also think it doesn't connect as much when
0: it's used by other people like i I, I give an example of uh Roosh in aew. he brings out the cables from under the ring, which is I don't I don't see many people trying to choke people out with cables or anything like that never gets disqualified. I, I've i seen too much stuff happen that like 30 years ago, would that bring heat? It just, it doesn't, it doesn't get me pissed off at him. It's like, okay, people do, dude, dude, I see Moxley doing stuff. I see, I like, dude, I watched GCW. I watched ECW. I watched all the, I, that none, you would have to bring in something so extreme, so unconventional that if you're look, if you're doing it, like you mentioned, If you're doing it for heat, I just think that we've been conditioned so much that Mm -hmm. that like like dude, the thumbtacks, the the glass panes, the door like like, dude, there's when when Eddie Kingston came out with the gasoline.
1: When Brock rode down on a tractor.
0: Right. But (laughs) but it seems like these are these are two instances like that they were aware that it can't just be normal anymore no. because it's it, we've the audience has seen all of this they've been conditioned to it so so their response just like a drug is they they're, they're going to have so such high tolerance that that a chair shot to the head is doesn't provide that much heat anymore
1: and again with kingston with brock those actions felt earned because they were consistent with the character's craziness. Like Brock Lesnar riding into the ring on a tractor. We'd, we had seen his presentation as a character in this feud was he's just farm guy Brock Lesnar, who's batshit crazy. And with Eddie Kingston, we know his gimmick is that he's just insane. So when you're taking it to that next level, the action feels earned. You're providing something that's different than what we've seen. But now if that became something they lean on every single match, if Brock Lesnar was coming down on, on a tractor every single match, I think it would lose its effectiveness uh, exponentially.
0: Uh, with, with those types of things, with, you know, gasoline,
1: tractors,
0: and obviously just, just simple run-ins and everything. I understand the reasoning is that because it's it's pro wrestling. Like, this is what someone would say. It's like, like if I would ask... You know, some some normal person like like and presented as if this was a real sport because
1: we are not normal. Keep that in mind, right? <laughs> uh,
0: like when the referee gets bumped, like how come there's like how come they don't don't ever put out a second referee? How come there's no instant replay? How come all these all these oh my god all gosh. these all these people come in and interfere with the match and no one gets suspended? There Jeez. are there people get attacked. People have flames thrown in each other backstage. And, and there's no repercussions, there's no nothing for anything.
1: You weren't watching, like, 2012, right? Not not much, no. Okay. You remember the NFL referee work stoppage and you had the replacement refs? Mm-hmm. You remember that, 2012? There was a match on Raw where Santino Morello was facing a heel. I don't remember who it was. And the heel cheated. And because, you know, the WWE loves leaning into what's happening at that moment in time. Santino demands a second referee come down to the ring with a replay box and they review the finish of the match on instant replay and it's overturned and they restart the match and then there's a finish. And I'm saying to myself, why the hell haven't we been using this for years if we've had the technology available and then guess what? It was never seen from again. The, le- the next time we saw a replay in wrestling was Stadium Stampede where they leaned into it and they had Chris Jericho call for a replay from Aubrey Edwards and she went into the box. And I get it was for the bit. I understand that. But I'm like, wait a minute. Let's invent a little bit. We have these technologies. I, I think it would be kind of cool if we had a replay review in a wrestling match.
0: Do you really? I would argue with the storytelling approach is that, that if
1: it would ruin a lot of the the, I mean cheating. I'm thing. being facetious. Oh, I'm you're okay. That. I thought mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm saying it would pop me, but but I i I think that if you had that, you would literally ruin the purpose of having heels in the first place because you would be able to call out every action. It's like right now in the monster factory. I hate this rule. I have told Danny Cage, the head of the Monster Factory, how much I hate this, but I've been told tough shit. And to my credit, it, it has forced me to get better at what I do. In tag matches and championship matches, there is a second referee on the outside to ensure that there's no tomfoolery. And me as a heel manager, I'm like, well, shit, that takes so much out of my playbook. Like, what what am I even doing out there? Well, 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 but John, here's a question: why are you allowed out there in the first place? But well, so I was gonna say it then begs the question, you know are you going to the well too much with the heel manager and are those things becoming trophy and are, should those things be like, you know, a heel manager, there's a good chance they might get up on the apron or they might cause a distraction. That's going to lead to a finish. I like to try to not do those things as much so that when we do do them, they mean a little something more, but uh, you know, I, I think it's fair for like in kayfabe for a manager to exist I don't th- I mean, in boxing, you know you you have guys in people's corners in mma, you have guys in people's corners. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing to have that part of the story that you're telling.
0: no, no it's it's another element like i I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's necessary. and I think that in modern pro wrestling, I think the heel manager spots that we've seen over and over again are almost best used as red herrings are best used as. You expect this to play into yeah. the finish and it ends up being... Doesn't a feel
1: fun. like we're getting more of that in recent years where they are more and more red herrings than they are actual finishes? Right.
0: Okay, I want to go into... Before we get out of here, this is more WWE-centric, but it used to be in cage matches that the purpose was to escape the cage. <laughs> Why... Why is that less prevalent now? What What's the difference, psychologically, storytelling-wise, of having a... What's the purpose of a cage match? Why would the outcome be either you escape the cage to win or you just get a pin for all submission to win? Like, what, what's the purpose of all of that?
1: Well, wasn't... And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that the original purpose of the steel cage match was to have a pinfall or submission and then escape the cage came after that and then people started going back to the pinfalls and submissions more because I'm pretty sure the initial purpose of the steel cage was to keep the people inside the ring we don't want to see any tomfoolery and it added that extra level of violence to it and that's why it was like the steel cage was the steel cage was basically what hell in a cell is supposed to be right now even though goodness we've broken that down uh, for in a variety of ways and then it became escape the cage which why i, I don't know why that's gen. i i could not tell you why i have I a thesis think... you have a thesis go i think i think
0: storytelling reason like you mentioned the cage is meant to keep people out mm-hmm. right it's basically like there's been so much interference we need a decisive finish here you go here's that no one can get in I could understand if, if the story is not that, if the story is the heel ducking the baby face and they've had a match and he's just like, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, whatever. Then maybe the, the thing is that escaping the cage is like, it feels like the reason you would have escaping the cage being a finish, they would have the reason why you'd want to, if it, if we like the fiend, type of character a Brock like a, a complete monster type of character where it's like dude you could just win the match by just getting away from me then I think that maybe there is a purpose of escaping the cage but we've seen in a lot of these those types of finishes it just it's so you don't it's a finish but I don't feel as
1: like the person won right. as much as if it was a pinfaller. It doesn't feel as cemented right. when, when that happens. And I also hate to with escape the cage. Why would anyone go through the hassle of climbing the cage when you could go through the door? Why, why, why would you do that? It just doesn't make any sense to me. The door is right there. You don't have to climb anything. All you got to do is ask the referee to open it. That's all that you need to do.
0: But so. you've you mentioned, you've mentioned in, in recent, in recent, the past 10 years, mm. some of these Purposes of cage and cell matches. They've done it enough that when I see a hell in a cell match, I go, What's the spot that makes them break out of the cage or someone it? can get in? And you know, when they have it and go, Oh, oh, when I when the when the thing breaks, and I'm like, Oh, this is a Latin that now. This guy could come in. It's like you've kind of destroyed the purpose of I want to come in going. No, there will be a finish and there won't be any tomfoolery, but I think that they've they've almost
1: exhausted well, that. And because then how do you raise the stakes from a cage, right? Like, like how do you get more intense and more finality than a cage match?
0: The I shark know- cage. They didn't know what they do. They do, you know, all the people that would break into the cage, we're going to put them in a cage and hang them up. I mean, truthfully, that's, I mean, that's hey, it's doing. like, okay, now that I know. And then you know what they end up doing? Someone steals the referee's key. I mean, yep, we've seen they it before. I yeah, out of the shark yeah, cage. Yeah.
1: I'd love to be in a shark cage. That would be a fun. I'd have a good time doing a shark cage match. But yeah, man, it's just, I, I think that's a really interesting point too, how that has changed over time. And that changed because I, I would also argue something you didn't even mention we started getting more into these car crash spots and they recognized that the cage could be utilized for that. If you do escape the cage rules where you got both guys up there and all of a sudden someone's flying off. You got Matt Hardy doing a leg drop off the cage. You got Jeff Hardy doing a swan Tom bomb off the top of the cage. They recognize, okay, I mean, do you want to talk about, I'll, I'll call a spade a spade. 2001 survivor series, the Hardys versus the Dudleys tag team title match in the cage. You have, Matt escaped the cage in the early going. The rules were both guys had to get out of the cage. Matt escapes the cage. And then Jeff, or or I think it might have been pinfall or submission as well. Yeah, it was. It was pinfall or submission or escape the cage. Matt escapes the cage. Jeff is then there in essentially a handicap match against the Dudley boys, which made no sense at all. And then multiple times, Jeff goes to the top where all he has to do is walk out. Of the Hardy boys win the match. They win the titles, but no, cause he's a stunt man. Cause he's a daredevil. He's got to go for the whisper in the wind. He's got to go for the swan Tom bomb and it works against them. And the Hardys lose as a result of it. So I think that we just got so accustomed, our viewing habits changed. This is what we want. So in turn, they changed the rules in the match to, uh, to quench our thirst, if you will.
0: Which I think is fine to do when I, I mm-hmm. the last thing for WWE is that I get why, but, it takes away the suspense of the matches. The the Royal Rumble winner, like, oh, you're main eventing in the title match in Re- WrestleMania. It's like, well, well, thank you for just eliminating like 27 people that I think that could win the match. And the only reason that I have a problem with this, the only reason is because of in matches where in Royal Rumbles, especially when they don't utilize the match to tell other stories so that we have, Royal rumbles where like, it's going to be, it's going to be one of these three guys that win. Right. I know Angelo Dawkins ain't main eventing WrestleMania, but does this set up a street profits versus something else because of something that happens in the match? And if they don't include any of that stuff, it becomes a 50 minute match that like 46 minutes of it. Don't matter.
1: That was like the 2021 rumble and the 2022 rumble, the one you were at rather. I, that that's what I felt the whole thing was. It was a waste of time, and barely set up anything. So, but I think
0: that's the main reason why. Do you do you have a problem with? We're gonna have a battle royal, and the the winner gets something that you know from a business perspective, as an audience member, that they're not gonna have. They're not gonna have this lower card person. Santos Escobar ain't facing Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Sure, like. Does that take away, or would you a rather bit, have a little the bit. winner get something else, or it just be a title like King of the Ring?
1: No, I mean, it definitely can take away uh, a little bit for sure out of your enjoyment of the match because you know, hey, realistically, there's only a couple people who have an actual chance at winning this thing. So I'm, I understand that perspective and and I tend to agree with that.
0: Have you ever won a battle royale?
1: I have been in many battle royals. I have never won a battle royal. I, how,
0: how, how, what was the longest you've lasted in a battle
1: royal? The longest I lasted in a battle royal was probably 20 minutes. And now I'm not doing anything in that thing. <laughs> I, am, I am not going near anyone. I'm hiding. I'm not doing anything. I get a couple cheap shots. I got a few eliminations. There was one battle royal I was in. It was a Royal Rumble style battle royal where I came in and I, there were two other guys, they were beating down each other. And now I got one guy up and hit him with an AA. It was great. It was hilarious. It was, it was a wonderful spot. And I eliminated him for some reason. They wanted to give me that spot. They wanted it to be a pop spot. And it was with a guy who wasn't ever there. So they're like, go ahead, let's, let's have a fun little spot. So I got to do that. There was another battle Royal as in where uh, there was an, older wrestler in it who's like the curmudgeon old man and i came out with a pitcher of beer and i was like listen man you don't want to be in this thing i get it i know you don't want to be in this thing so i'll, I'll give you a deal i've got a pitcher of beer i'll walk it up to you 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 get out of the match and he took it so <laughs> it was uh it was it was a lot of fun uh, i love i love a good battle royal it definitely is
0: is great and you can hear more of these types of stories and discussion that we have in the Discord as well as on the Patreon. Go check that out. That's at WrestlingAccordingToAlba.com. Follow him on Twitter at John Alba J-O-N-A-L-B-A. You can follow me on Twitter at BlenderHD. If you have any other like rules or anything, post them in the comments. Yeah, I mean, if there's tough. anything that, that doesn't make sense, Why does it happen? Things that you think could be done better? Post them in the comments. See us on Twitter. And then we'll talk more about uh, other storytelling and narrative devices in modern pro wrestling. Another edition of The Theory of Pro Wrestling.